Jamal Murray. Don't call him Bubble Murray. Takes over and explodes in game two. The Nuggets, for the first time in the Jokic Malone era, are up 2-0. This is Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We appreciate you guys joining us on whatever platform you choose, whether Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or if you're joining us on YouTube with a whole bunch of folks hanging out with us in the chat section after the Nuggets take game two versus the Minnesota Timberwolves. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Adam Mares of DMVR. We can find the pre and post game shows before every Nuggets game, as well as Nuggets content on the daily. Uh, all sorts of awesome stuff. Such a great group of guys. Like your your guys are just so smart. Like just I get to hang out with Wind and Vote every night, and those guys are incredibly smart. Um, it, like vindication of all sorts for the Nuggets media room last night between Ryan Blackburn with Jamal Murray and Brendan Vote. With Give Mike the Rock. Uh, it was a good night for the DMVR crew. Want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Game Time app. Okay, Adam. Uh, we can start a lot of places, but there's only one place we really can start, and that is Jamal Murray. Um, man, 40. 40 and five assists too. And just there was the pivot fadeaway that he hit in the fourth quarter from the elbow was one of the cleanest shots I've ever seen him hit. Like it was absolute perfection in the form of a basketball shot. Everything about it was everything about him in the clutch was was perfect. I mean, really, he had a great game all around. He started on fire. There was a Murray flurry to begin this game. But to your point, the way he closed. I just felt like he was going to make every shot he took. It was one of those things where you weren't, you almost weren't nervous down the stretch just because it felt like he doesn't need a A, B, or C shot. Any shot he can get out of off of his fingertips is going to score. Um, and even Mike Conley had a couple flops, I thought, down the stretch of this one that took away buckets that he was going to make it anyway. Like he had one where you know he flops, he shoots it, and makes it, and it's like, come on, man. But yeah, Murray, and then of course after the game, saying you know understandably so not liking the bubble um, sort of moniker saying bubble Murray, you know, he was good in the bubble, this or that. I do like the idea that he is slowly, but perhaps definitively changing that from bubble Murray to no, this is just playoff Murray. Cause now we can go back, Matt and contextualize. Well, his first year, not in the bubble. He of course had the big breakout game in game two at home against the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Now he's got this one. He's the, Nuggets franchise leader in playoff 40-point games. He scores, I think, the second highest percentage of 40-point games in his playoffs behind Michael Jordan. Like, now I think it actually has – he has a legitimate case for saying, no, the bubble was just who he is as a playoff performer, not as a bubble performer. I loved his his phrasing of, that was the beginning. Yes. Like, to me, that's, like, such a positive way to view it. You know, and he was like, I'm only 26. I have a lot of career left ahead of me. And to me, that that was kind of like Jamal's vibe last night. On like Jamal had two vibes post game, exhausted. Yeah. I tweeted a photo of him um, as the game was getting late, right before he checked out. 
like he was just like on his like hands on knees and like i don't know if i've ever seen seen that man that tired he looked exhausted that, that's a storyline by the way the the fatigue factor for all players nuggets and timberwolves but murray in particular who played a lot of minutes and last night i have to say on the dnvr show i think i was a little bit i mean i'm pretty sure i was a little bit lower on this game and even on twitter you know i said after the game i was annoyed by this one I think getting a little bit of distance, as you often do, you get a little distance from it. The annoying parts are real, and we'll talk about them more in segment two. But this really was an incredible performance from Jamal. And as much as I was talking about, I don't think the Nuggets are in good shape. We worried about the rust factor for them, you know, with a month off where they weren't trying very hard. They've There hasn't been rust, but I do think there's a little bit of fatigue where they're probably a week away from being in the kind of shape they need to go to the next round. So it's one story. But to Jamal's credit, he played 40 minutes last night. Um, you're going to be tired when you play 40 playoff minutes. Yeah, he uh, he gave everything. Um, Malone called it like an emotional performance or heartfelt performance, I think is one of the words he used. And it did. It felt like that. Yeah. Like Jamal, there, you know, I think for players, a lot has to go right with you physically, mentally, and just luck-wise for you to get into that kind of a place but Jamal really gave everything in that game and his effort was great on defense. Um, I didn't feel like part of this is like, was he shooting? Yeah. But I didn't feel like, he, like I really didn't feel like he was gunning. A lot of it is like, look, if Rudy Gobert is going to play drop coverage, Jamal needs to shoot. Like if the this Wolves is going to yeah. pl play that drop coverage against him, that's the shot that he needs to do to punish it over and over and over again. That's how teams have gotten Rudy's jazz out year after year. Like this is one of the problems with having Rudy Gobert is like, you have to play that kind of coverage and that's going to give players like Jamal that opportunity. And the wolves are like, well, we got to stop Nicola. So I guess we'll give him this. And Jamal kills him with it. It was a phenomenal performance from Jamal Murray. Um, do you want to say anything else about Jamal or do you want to go to MPJ? Um, man, do I want to say, I will. The one thing I'll say negative towards Jamal, I do think that, it is a tough balance when he's on fire to the extent that he was, because I do think that the offense, he was both, I think, the main reason they built a 20-point lead and also one of the main contributing reasons that they blew a 20-point lead. It wasn't just him in either instance. But I do think that the balance between Jokic is always their top guy, and they're running the same actions they always run, but the dial is turned toward Nikola, which means that it's going to be turned towards more balance. When Murray has it going naturally you turn that dial a little bit more towards Jamal, but I do think that it's a little bit easier for things to get stale when you do that. And I do think that was part of the third quarter. It was part of why Michael Porter, I think had one or two shots before the fourth quarter. I do think because again, it was effective. They had a 140 offensive rating last night. Like how can you complain about the, the result? But I do think that you're a little bit more inclined to fall out of rhythm as a team when you do that, if he starts making shots. So just something to kind of look at, Murray is such a different player in the playoffs that I think it's hard for you to know how to respond to it early on when he dials it up and plays at this level. But it is something Denver's going to have to solve to go from emphasizing Jamal to de-emphasizing him. Turning those dials is going to be tough. High volume scoring. Uh, high volume scoring eliteness <laughs> is a double-edged sword because yeah. Yeah. you have to balance it. Um, Michael Malone after the game last night said, and Nicola said this as well. Like Nicola went to went to MPJ and was like, "You won this game for us." Yeah, the, I love that. that in the fourth, like Nicola said, he he told that that to Mike. Um, 
Malone said, like, we got to give MPJ a lot of love for what he did in that game. Um, I loved that in the units where they, they played him in the second unit, they got him an elbow post up. I was so excited. I was like, they ran something for him and they got him some, some looks in that offense. I think in the, as it stretched, like in that second stint after he had the, that flurry, I think that Bruce Brown in particular didn't do a good enough job of looking for him. Like they got to do a better job of guys, MPJ's that offense. If Jamal is not going to be the one that's on the floor for those those minutes, and I I like that better, MPJ is going to be like the one that you go through, and I don't necessarily know that they're going to love that concept for a lot of reasons, but like that's how it needs to be. Um, tough shot making, finished inside, played really hard. Like that was a terrific performance from MPJ. It really was, and I love that everybody shouted him out. Michael, it started with Michael Malone shouting him out first, going out of his way. Then Jamal Murray at the podium, and then Nikola Jokic as well. All three of those guys giving, like, making a point, not just to say, oh, he stepped up and made shots, but no, he won the game. Like, he, that is such a hard spot for him to be in where he doesn't get a lot of shots. He was in foul trouble early on, which yep. is going to be a storyline. So he didn't get a rhythm in the first half when Nug the Nuggets build a 20 point lead. The third quarter was a disaster on all fronts. And so then you go into a fourth quarter, which he made the biggest shots under the most pressure. Because he created a little breathing room for the Nuggets to kind of put this thing away or at least to get their footing. And I'm just so impressed with him. I mean, Michael Porter, we've talked about this before. Michael Porter has proven to be a clutch performer. He has a lot of clutch moments dating all the way back to the bubble when he hit what was probably the most important shot of the Clippers series. The the, yeah, the first ever yeah Mike moment where he took a horrendous shot right in Kawhi Leonard's face. And then after the game said, yes, something told me to shoot it. But he has hit big shots and big moments, and last night was just the continuation of that. And I love that they gave him credit, and I love that Michael Malone finally staggered him with the bench. I don't know if, why he did it. I don't. Again, with all of Michael Malone's adjustments, last game it was playing him at the four. Was that because some, you know Aaron Gordon was in foul trouble? I don't know. Last night, why did he start the fourth with the bench? I don't know. But it saved the game, and it was it, Michael Porter stepping up in those moments. I'm curious to see if they go back to that in future games. Me too. I'm, I'm interested in that as well. On the other side, we'll talk about that third quarter, what it means for the Nuggets going forward, about the rest of that game. Um, some lineup stuff, some bigger picture questions. Uh, I have a couple of bones to pick. We'll do all that on the other side. But first, I need to tell you about the ultimate pro basketball GM game. All right. <clears throat> Download this sucker the other night. Been doing the ad reads, download it. I, I spent, I'm not kidding you, I spent two and a half hours on this game. Like, I was absolutely sucked in. I got fired in season four. I liquidated all of the better players and got young draft aspect, uh, uh, draft prospects and like one, like two dynamite, really good young guards, had two awesome point guards, moved one to shooting guard. We were doing great, made the playoffs. I got George Carl. I got, I kept losing in the first round. And then I was so far under the cap that I wound up getting fired. Very upset, but I'm coming back for more because the game is just that awesome. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is the coolest game that I've played in a long time. If you've had the same thought about wanting to play as an NBA GM, turns out it's not that easy, but you can play as that right now. Go and download the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. It allows you to manage every strategic part of the franchise, playing through seasons and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for dealing with challenging personalities, Hiring the right coaches and assistants. I had to let go of very, very, very old 
uh, offensive coordinator who is, I thought that was the right move. And then we got way worse on offense. I was very mad trading and trading players, making the right draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency and the draft and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons, all this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate pro basketball GM is completely free and playable offline play on the go as you want. And when you want to, you can make all these really great trades. Like I just keep targeting and they have got a really good point system for what the picks are worth. And so you can basically try and like stack these things together to get like another, I've got two top 10 picks. Again, the team was awesome. I really am upset. I got fired because of the money, cheap owners locked on nuggets. Listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise. When using the promo locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out to download the game. Just visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. We'll be right back on locked on nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. I appreciate you guys being with us on what day is today? Is it Thursday? It's a Thursday. I appreciate you guys being with us today after a late, another late. These late games are killing all of us, Adam. Like they're going to be the death of the entire collective Nuggets media core. Um, but Nuggets get the win. They're up to low. Not completely clean. Like wasn't a completely clean performance. And so now. Uh, the question becomes, how much do we take from that third quarter? How do we evaluate, you know, how bad that stretch was? What happened? Was it just them taking their foot? Up? To me, it was absolutely 100% all the stuff we talked about before the series of, hey, when the Nuggets don't lock in, the floor is extremely low. How yeah, that's low? so true. That third quarter low. That's how bad it gets when they allow a 40 to 23 they allowed 22 points in the first quarter, 27 points in the second quarter, and 40 in the third, and then just 24. It was a complete lapse of concentration, turnovers, bad defense, bad rotations. The Wolves did some stuff in that quarter. Talk to the best about I'm curious your thoughts on what happened in that third quarter. Well, I see people in the comments already bringing up the Locked On NBA show today where the title is, Are the Nuggets Doomed? <laughs> and, and and where the discussion, and by the way, I listened to a couple NBA pods today and there was a lot of, this is what the third quarter means. So the Nuggets have won six of the eight quarters in the series. They've tied one, the fourth quarter of game one, which was the most meaningless of all the quarters, but they tied it. And then they lost one quarter. It was the third quarter. And what that quarter did more than anything is it changed the narrative from Nuggets completely dominate 75% of this series, which is objectively true, to, man, Nuggets have some flaws. Now, which one's true? I don't know. I will say a lot of pick and roll in this game from the Timberwolves, a lot more spread out pick and roll, and I think it worked. Uh, Denver, if, if you want to talk about what's maybe the most concerning thing to come from this game, it's that Denver's pick and roll defense still sucks. And... I don't know if the Timberwolves are going to be the team that fully exploits this and takes advantage of it. I just don't know if they have the personnel. And by the way, there's a chance Denver doesn't play a team that has the ability to exploit that. I mean, that's also a possibility, but it still sucks. However, the thing that frustrates me the most and the reason I was so, I think, negative at, you know, in my immediate visceral reactions last night on the winner's lounge is that that third quarter – we talk about it. The Nuggets played that last month without urgency. Sometimes Jokic just doesn't seem to care, but it never happens in the playoffs. It happened in that third quarter. Everybody, including and especially Nikola Jokic, just yeah. didn't try very hard in that third quarter. And it was like, you guys were so close to breaking this team's will. Yeah. It's like, why can't you just be... And this honestly, this is like how it is with... And I understand why 
there there is an awareness from the players and i think the coaches as well of like these conversations both locally and nationally um this is kind of like there's a paradigm here between the players and the and the coaches of or, or and like a similarity of like look at the they they just want you to focus on the overall right, right. the overall big picture we're up 2-0 in a playoff series in the first round that we've dominated we've won 7 of 8 quarters right um but naturally as fans because the expectations are so high you're like yeah but why can't you be a little bit better like why can't you just be like a you know with malone it's like okay great you played mpj at the four why couldn't you do that earlier you know like what these 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 are the like this and this is how it goes um do you want to hear like let's focus on the negative and then i'll go to the positive because actually okay. i like a lot of what i heard from the players post game about it last night like i i feel better for the nuggets based off of those comments um Here's this is that why Nicole is fascinating to me, and we've talked about this so much about about the the gap between his actual metrics and how I feel he performed in the game. Nicole Jokic had twenty seven points, nine boards, nine assists, was a plus six, was ten of nineteen from the field, one of three. He had a three pointer, and I'm still like, I don't think Nicole like I was asking, yeah. like I asked Ryan Blackburn, I was like, did Nicola play well? And Ryan had the right answer, which is like, I thought he was fine in the first half terrible in the third and great in the fourth like i even i mean even the thing about the first half is nicola set the table for jamal and i'm not trying to give him credit for jamal making shots like it's just that jamal had it going and nicola turned his dial to okay well i'm gonna get (laughs) this is the thing that's working really really well right now so i'm gonna go to him i think nicola is the one that had like a 140 offensive rating individually last night when he was on the court which is that includes a third quarter where they were terrible. So I'm 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 with all of you guys. I don't know that this was a fantastic Nikola Jokic game, and I but it hasn't been needed, and he tends yeah. to not step up outside of the lines if it's working when he stays inside of them. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um Ant figured out that he can attack, especially so there's like there's like a layer to this that I think has to get dissected, and it won't be able to just be like Nikola Jokic's defense sucks. Some of what's going on is this game, these games are being officiated in a way where half the time there's a lot of contact and half the time there's a lot of fouls. And I agree. that's creating a lot of frustration for both ends of the floor. The Wolves yep. feel like they're getting beat to hell and the Nuggets feel like they're getting whistled constantly. Right. And like, it's pretty normal. Like this is like... Both I think both are right, though, man. Like, honestly, everybody was – in. I put this on the timeline. I think Denver might have got a little bit better of a whistle in this game. But nonetheless, everyone was in foul trouble, and it completely changed the texture of this game. There's like six guys in foul trouble all game. And so if you're Nicola, it's not only – like, you're not a great defender. That's not how you're – that's not how your body is. You are not – your body is not made to be a great defender. Some guys can just be tall and athletic. That's not Nicola, right? So – but the challenge here is, hey, you need to be aggressive and you need to make plays at the rim. Also, you can't afford to pick up any fouls. Right. Like, so that counter, I'm not excusing it because it's like, this is the challenge on him. We knew this was the challenge on him. Um, part of the, what I will say is the Wolves in the second half of game one, and especially in the second half of game two, are figuring out more and more. And like, I talked to the vets about this last night. I, I talked to a few of them, like late in scrums after cameras had gone elsewhere about the wolves are playing that pick and roll. Like we talked about after game one, so deep into the corners because they want to get Denver stretched as much as possible and then reverse it. 
And the challenge there is that Denver's got to be better, in my opinion, at pressuring ball handlers. I agree. It's yep. not enough to contain. You have to deter that pass. You have to make it to where they can't get the ball reversal to the other side without it being a turnover. And so they have to reset the offense. Because when you allow them to reverse, that is Denver's, to me, Denver's biggest weak point outside of the rim is their inability to cover that weak side rotation. That's a hard one for every team. That's a challenge for every team in the NBA. There are very, like The teams that do it well are the ones that are elite. The best defenses in the NBA are those teams that are great at recovering on weak side reversals. So like that's the challenge is like you're going to have to apply more pressure on Ant to try and disrupt him, but he's so fast and so quick and so explosive and so strong that he's able to get through. Like there were times when I thought they did a pretty good job of contain and then, oh, nope, there's Ant. He's through and he's attacking the rim. Like some of this is just like Ant's awesome. Like, and, and pulling up in the mid-range off of off the dribble, also part of this. But the other thing about it, you're right about the reversals and us having to stretch things out, which, by the way, the Wolves only have, like, one lineup they can do that in because they just don't have the shooters. Once they start yeah. substituting some of these guys, it's like, okay, well, you don't have to guard Kyle Anderson in the corner. That's fine. Yeah. So they are a little bit doomed there or, or a little bit disadvantaged there. But the other part of this is I think Chris Finch has done a great job of making it hard on Nicola specifically of making him guess which when you say they're reversing the ball what they're really doing is attacking one side pick and roll and then if Nicola steps up fully the way he does they'll flip it so that he has to sprint to the other side of the court to step and show on that pick and roll so one going left one going right or vice versa so they're making Yote Nicola have to cover a lot of ground which I think is smart and again when I talk about last night guys were fatigued I think that's part of it is it's hard to have to cover that much space now the one thing that's interesting to me from a Timberwolves perspective is they seem to have made a choice in this series as it's gone on that Carl Anthony Towns is now Michael Porter Jr., meaning he has skills that are well beyond what they're using him for, but they have chosen the Anthony Edwards pick and roll with him as a corner shooter, which means he's not going to get a lot of touches. He's not going to get a lot of rhythm, and he just hasn't been so far a huge offensive impact player. And I do think it's their best bet, but it is a little bit weird that Towns is just going to be a guy that's hanging out in the corners all the time. I asked Harrison after one of Kat's many foibles last night, I was like, don't you feel a little bad for him? And Harrison's like, no, um, which was amazing. But um, like, that's how I feel. Like the wolves are just Murphy's law. Like everything that can go wrong for them goes wrong for them. Like everything Kat tries to do is bad. Like everything he tries to do, he can't get a shot to fall. He can't get, keep the ball without turning it over and turning it into a live ball. He can't, make a defensive play without foul. Like there's just nothing that is going right for him right now. And maybe that turns, um, but it's a, like it's, it's been glaring how bad and it, you know, a lot of it is self-inflicted because he doesn't play smart. I'll definitely admit that. Like that was why when, you know, they didn't go to as much of the post-up stuff. They went, they still were trying pick and roll action and just can't, can't make a pay right now. If that changes in, in Minnesota, then the games are going to look different. Um, finally, before we, we had to, before we go to the other side, we talk about some of the bigger picture stuff from the series. I wanted to, to talk about the player's reaction to the third quarter last night into this game. Um, you can be defensive, and those are always moments where I'm like, you're probably not taking this serious enough if you're just like, well, I mean, we're whenever the, the team's going through a slump and, and playing really badly, and they're like, well, we're the one seed in the West. What are you complaining about? Like, this has been the thing with Denver is they're just like, what do you guys want? Like, we're the one seed. We've won all these games. Basically, they're like, the NBA is hard and we're good. What do you want? Right. Um, 
what I really like though is like Nicola, like they all admitted, like, no, we gotta do better than that third quarter. That was bad. Like we were turning the ball over, giving him fast break opportunities, and our defense was bad. But like Nicola was like, I thought we had a really great second quarter and we had a really great fourth. Yeah. And so like Nicola's message was very much instead of because sometimes he gets honestly really negative. He gets really critical where he's like, that was not acceptable. We can't do that. Like right. it takes away from the entire game if there's a bad stretch, even in a win. And that's different from where he was a couple of years ago. But last night he was very much like, no, no, like that third quarter was bad. We got to do better. But we on the Egypt on the other two on those two quarters around it. It wasn't just like, well, yeah, but but look at the positive. He was very much like, so we know what we need to do and we know what we can't do. And so, like, he felt confident they were able to dig out of it. His other thing was very much like, you're not going to blow a team in the playoffs out twice. And his what you should really say is, you're not going to blow a team out in the Western Conference out twice. Like, I mean, but he might be wrong about that. They were up 20 with one minute to go in the second quarter. They ended yeah. that quarter very poorly, which I I mean, the difference between a 20-point lead and a 15-point lead is it meaningful. Like, 20 points is, you go to the locker room down 20, you're just so, like, de- demoralized. But you go on a little 5-0 run to end the quarter, like, okay, you got a little momentum. And then they completely close the gap. The thing I'll say is, to your point right now about Nicola, the Timberwolves are kind of throwing their best punch as often as they can, but it comes at the expense of they have a really bad rotation behind that best punch. It might actually be smarter for them to spread that out a little bit more because Denver's bench should be a vulnerability in this series, but their bench is actually worse, significantly worse. And I think that they're doing Towns a little bit of a disservice by asking him to carry a lineup with no, I mean, they're giving him no spacing, no shooters. They're putting nothing. I mean, I think Noel is the only guy out there that can make an open three. You're giving him Kyle Anderson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. You're just not giving him guy Torian Prince. Those aren't guys that are going to help you space the floor. And as a result, I do wonder if Nikola, the way he approached this game, is a little bit of a first and third quarter, maintain, coast, pace, let other guys carry. Second and fourth quarters dominate because that's when you're going up against the weaker lineups. And it's worked. But it's also one of those things where he turned the dial, I think, way too far down in that third quarter. On the other side, we'll talk about the big picture stuff. Uh, I want to relate something, a couple more anecdotes from postgame, including Adam. I finally got a good answer out of Nikola Jokic this season. Only took me six months. Well, on the other side, we'll talk about that as well as some big picture thoughts on the Nuggets. But first, I'm going to tell you about the game time app. So I just found out last night that Maggie Rogers is playing Red Rocks. And I had not I had not caught on to this. She just announced it late. And so I'm definitely going to be using the game time app as we get closer to get those last minute ticket deals on a Maggie Rogers ticket at Red Rocks, because those are amazing with game time. You get the you get flash deals and last minute tickets, which are easy to find. You get to buy tickets for every kind of event, uh, music, comedy, theater, sports, everything. You get images of seat view so you know exactly where you're going to be sitting. Lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, etc. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. They've got. You don't have to plan months in advance. They've got tickets right up to the day of the event. And you get exclusive flash deals on tickets. So you can get them way cheaper. Um, you buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. That's huge. I hate that part. So having it all in the app is really convenient. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day. Um, so I, I will relate this. I have had a hard time with Nicola this season. And 
I've done pretty well with him throughout the course of his career. Like I know how to, I know not to ask him too complicated questions. I know not to ask him what I would refer to as dumb questions um, that he's just going to roll his eyes at. I've done pretty well. And this season has been a challenge for a number of reasons. Like he's just, he's done this long enough. He's over it. Um, but last night I asked him about Aaron Gordon and I said, you know, look, Aaron is having to play five, but not only is he having to play five, he's having to play five in this series. And those guys are super physical, you know? And I was like, how, you know, what have you seen from him? And how important is his physicality? Is what I thought I had a really good game last night compared to game one. And Jokic said, you know, one of the things is that he hasn't played a lot of five, so he doesn't know all the tricks. And so, but he's making up for it with his physicality and intent and his, his intensity. And that's huge for us because he's being asked to do a whole lot here. Like Aaron has taken a beating and this is a rough series for him to have to play small ball five right off the bat. Like it's, there's no warm up to the physicality. It's just like, hey, you're, you've got two guys who are way bigger. Um, and then I asked Nicole, I was like, what, you know, do you have any tricks that you can share with him? And he deadpan, he jumps way too high for that brother. And I was just like, <laughs> my friend is what he said, not brother, my friend. And so I was like, oh, I got like a funny, funny joker comment. Um, KCP was in a good mood last night. Felt good about, about that one. Um, MPJ similarly, like MPJ was really proud of that performance, which I think is really good. I will it say, be, I think. I, I will say I I do think the Wolves get one of the two in Minnesota. I mean, but look, probably it just to sweep a team is really hard. I think it would be meaningful Denver to, for Denver to sweep. I am a little bit worried about Jokic's wrist. We should talk about that here in a second. But the big thing to me is just the pick and roll defense. I want to see if Denver it, was Denver just turned down too much in the third quarter. Were they a little too relaxed, or is there something to? They just struggle with spread pick and roll, and they had it in the first quarter as well. But Mike Jamal Murray hit a bunch of tough shots that kept the game neck and neck. But Denver was not playing great defense in the first quarter of that game, and there was a lot of pick and roll. So I just want to see is this one of those? I don't want to call it fatal flaws, although it might become fatal later later on in the playoffs. Is this one of the things Denver just can't do, and Minnesota slowly figuring out how to attack it, or is it something that Denver just had a comfortable lead and and wasn't too locked in on? I don't really know the answer to that just yet. They need to get the series done so that they don't show anything else. Because if they I agree. Get, honestly, Phoenix or the Clippers, either one, like those teams are going to get that film and they're going to see that. And they already know what they want to do. It's not, it's not like those teams don't want to run pick and roll versus Denver, but you don't want them identifying specific weak, pot, weak spots and angles. Um, <clears throat> a couple more things. So the bench, somebody mentioned this in the comments, and I think it's like a, a really – astute thing is they said that with how much they coasted during the regular season it actually kind of forced like a reset of the bench because it seems like a little bit more positive and i kind of agree with that i think a lot of that is also how much better the the, the bench is playing um so here's kind of like how i would assess this i thought the second quarter stint from the bench was phenomenal but christian uh Bruce had a hesitation lob to Jeff. That was one of the coolest plays of the night for me. Like that one really stood out to me. Um, Jeff made a, but like Jeff played great in the second quarter and played terrible in the third quarter. And you go like Jeff was a, like, Jeff gets all the blame for that third quarter. I'm like, everyone played badly. Jeff plays badly when everyone plays badly. I feel like. And then Jeff took like a big charge in that. Jeff's, Jeff's bad plays are just infuriating. Cause he, right. he, he plays at a, a smooth pace, not necessarily right. like a frenetic one. Right. Um, <clears throat> so like, I don't know that Jeff was a, was an overall like quarter by quarter net negative last night. I think Bruce, 
wasn't great. Well, again, missed MPJ in that third quarter on some, like, especially there was one where I don't know if he yeah. missed him. Do what? I don't Ooh. know if he missed him. Ooh. Those two guys have a little bit of like bickering back and forth with each other. So I don't know if Porter had it going. And I think Porter, when he has it going sometimes is like, just get me the ball. I like, yeah. forget this play, forget the right action. Like I'm on fire. I took a shot that was like falling away and I made it. And I don't know that he's necessarily wrong. In fact, I want to talk about the play where he, he has two made threes off of dribble handoffs at the top of the key where he got, where he wasn't set. And I think that one of the failures of the Nuggets this is a small thing. It's a small critique. That is such a weapon when a player can go into a quick shot off of a handoff. This is what makes Clay Thompson so valuable is he's always a threat to catch it and go right into it. And Michael Porter having two of these in high leverage moments in this playoff so far, to me, makes me think they should be running that once a quarter, where it's just you should constantly be having him elevate and then building counters off of that. Yeah. What Clay Thompson does so well is catch it, go into a shooting motion, and if the guy jumps out, just drop it off to the rolling Draymond, or in this case, Jokic. And I just think that Denver should use that to their advantage. Michael Porter, I think, was trying to do more of that in the fourth quarter. Bruce was telling him to run the offense, and I think he's like, bro, I just hit three shots in a row. Just throw me the ball. <laughs> Forget the play. Just give it to me. Again, we kind of get back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, it's not like the Nuggets do enough to be good, but it doesn't feel like they maximize. And that's what yeah. people are really wanting is they want the maximization of the nuggets and that's understandable um but that's like i think where this where the stress comes in i have no like zamora asked us any idea why cb wasn't used i don't know why cb didn't play second second half i don't know i got no answer for you there i got no, no, i got nothing CB it's one it's one thing like if the nuggets sweep it's not going to be a big deal but it is one of those things where you do get 39 minutes from murray and kcp only 37 from jamal are from Jokic, which isn't that many but when you play that's what happens when you play essentially a seven-man rotation yeah and but like, again if they sweep, it's worth it. This is part of it with Jeff, too, where I'm just like, Jeff doesn't need to be playing, like, that many minutes. That just doesn't need to. Just does not need to. That's not – Jeff doesn't – I mean, they feel like he does. They feel like Jeff gives you enough. And, like, I will say Jeff's defense on Cat's been great in the series. Like, I think Cat's helping him out. But I think Jeff's been been really good. And I don't know that, like, like Christian Brown can't – somebody was like, I want to see Christian Brown in for Jeff. Christian Brown can't go I – don't, I don't want – Christian can probably do a pretty good job on Cat because he's young and strong. But On Cat? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? Like that's gonna be. I think on Ant, he's a good option there. Agree, he's a great. Option I don't, I don't think too. he played poorly. I don't know why Malone. I mean, probably just because yeah, that third quarter went so poorly that Christian Brown gets punished for the fact that the starters blew the lead or whatever. But yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I like I said, there's no reason for it. I've said this consistently that like even though I think the 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 way the Nuggets fans approach Brown is overstated, I'm not. I can't disagree with like. Christian needs to play. Christian's really great. Christian's awesome. Like Christian needs to play. He's proven. And I'll say like, I don't even, I do not identify rookie problems with him. He plays like a vet. Well, he you do worry about like scoring that, but he plays like a three-year vet. If the nuggets are up five points going into the fourth quarter, you need defense more than offense. And he probably plays. They were down two. There was a little bit of a, Hey, we have to get our offense going too. We not only do we have to get stops, we have to get our offense going a little bit. So Maybe that was Malone's calculus, but I do hope. I mean, they have two games coming up. Do they play on Tuesday next week if there's game five? Do you know? I haven't looked at the schedule. I, I can't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday because they'll play essentially Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. That's not a lot of rest. It would be smart in game three to try to open up the rotation just a little bit so that you're not wearing yourself out as the series goes on. Um, before we get out of here, 
locked on NBA had a whole show that basically was just like, are the Nuggets doomed and like all these types of things. Look, here, here's the deal. Are Nuggets fans like actively excited when the Sixers struggle? Yes. Are Nuggets fans actively excited when another like dominant team? Yes. Like welcome to being one of the favorites. Everyone's rooting against you. And any sign that you are not as good a team as your record, they're going to pounce on. This is like both normal, natural, and what everyone does. Um, I'll also say that not both of the hosts, I think on that show felt the same way about the Nuggets performance. Um, you're going to have this stuff where it's like, the Nuggets are not going to get the same credit that a, a, a championship team like the Warriors are going to get. You're just not. Everyone's going to doubt you until you do it. What's funny is if the Nuggets had won a title and then we're in this exact same position, the conversations would be different. They'd be like, this is what makes them a championship team is they had a bad quarter and they responded and closed it out. Look at how clutch they are. So I would just tell you, like, don't get worked up about about that, because, again, I just feel like everyone does this. And like myself included, there are teams that I'm like, they're not that good. They're not that good. Like, I used to be that way about the Celtics. Now I'm like, yeah, no, the Celtics are that good. The Celtics are are definitely, like, should be the favorite to win the title. I'm also that way about the Bucks right now, is I'm just like, I'm really worried about Milwaukee, even after last night's game. Like, I'm really worried about Milwaukee in these playoffs, and I'm usually very high on them. But, like, everyone has, like, these strong opinions that that team's not that good, this team's not that good, et cetera. And you're never going to feel like it's fair as a fan. But just know that, like, this is the sign that you are at that level. You are being you are being evaluated not on, hey, can you win a playoff series? It's, are you so good that we're not going to have things to nitpick you on on your way to a title? That's where the Nuggets it's are. A, it's a little bit that, Matt. That I do think there's a little bit of – I mean, again, this is part of what happens when you have a third quarter the way you, they did. They've looked like a championship contender for six of eight quarters in this playoffs. But in one of those quarters, they look like total frauds, and it's hard to wash that out. And so, again, well, I think people don't watch the Nuggets enough to know. I mean, also in that podcast was that Michael Porter's the best offensive player on the Nuggets, which is, again, like kind of an unforgivable, I think, take to have. But um, nonetheless, the Nuggets gave – they fed everybody in game two, the believers and the doubters. That's a great take. I like that take. You're good. You were dynamite today. Buddy, you were awesome. I mean, that's because I was so bad yesterday. I feel bad about it. Like, I was surprised this morning. Like, I gotta be better. Like, I gotta be better today. You gave the, the arrested development gif, and I was like, the Nuggets just went up 2 0. My house. I don't delete tweets go. very often. I deleted that one because I was just like, man, I was too wrapped up in that third quarter. I was too annoyed. I was too annoyed by the bad Nuggets to enjoy the good Nuggets. All right, that's the wrap it up. Thanks for joining us on Locked On Nuggets. We'll see you guys tomorrow. We'll have a game previewing game three of the Nuggets versus the Timberwolves. Take a look around the Western Conference and more. Make sure to show on Twitter at Locked On Nuggets. Give us those five star reviews. Send the show to somebody on YouTube and be like, hey, go subscribe to this. You're going to enjoy it. Like, let's get those numbers up. Help us out. Spread the word, man. Want to get the show. Uh, I want I want more love from our Locked On overlords on these types of things. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have yourselves a great night. We'll see you guys again tomorrow with another edition of Locked On Nuggets.